Welcome to the Huntback Country Podcast. This is episode number 423, and it's the final episode of our Before and After the Hunt series, or should I say the final episode of those before episodes with listeners just like you. Throughout the series, we've been talking with listeners of the show about their hunting plans, the strategies that they have for this year, how they're going into their hunts for the fall, and today we're doing that with Bradley. Bradley has a cool story where he has some hunting success, but he's still learning lessons. And so this episode is actually kind of like a after, before, and after, meaning we talk about things he's learned after his recent hunting seasons and some of his early success and failures. We talk about how he's applying that before this fall's hunts. And then, of course, we'll be joined by him later this fall after his hunts for this year to hear how everything went. So this is pretty wide ranging and there's just a lot of takeaways in here where Bradley shares some of the things he's done right, the things he's done wrong, and the things he's changing for this year and his hunts. Guys, if you enjoy this episode, it would help us tremendously if you just share some support of the show. Whether you tell a friend about the show, if you leave a rating or review in whatever podcast app you're using, all that stuff helps us tremendously because we don't do any really marketing or advertising or have any sponsors or anything like that. So this show is supported and grows because of you. We thank you for it. If you have any questions or anything for us, as always, you can email podcast at exomountaingear.com. Right now, though, let's dive right into this conversation with Bradley. Bradley, welcome to the podcast. How are you this morning? Great. Thanks for having me. Super pumped to be on. Uh, Listen to so many of your podcasts over the years that uh, it's cool to finally be on and see if I can share a little bit of my experience. Yeah. Well, just looking over, you know, you you and I have exchanged some emails uh, and just looking over that, man, I'm excited to chat with you today and thanks for being uh, willing to make this happen for sure. Just to kick things off real quick, start with a basic introduction background of who you are, where you're from, just kind of give listeners some context. Sure. Um, so I'm 42. I uh, live in Salt Lake City now uh, from Vermont originally. Uh, grew up kind of rural suburban Vermont stuff, soccer, skiing, um, stuff like that, um, but always backpacked. You know, we would do canoe trips up in Canada, stuff like that. Um, but then I've been out West since I was 17, you know, college and jobs and stuff out West. Um, so kind of, I've lived in big cities and small little towns in Idaho. Um, and, but yeah, I always just done a lot of stuff in the outdoors and felt real comfortable backpacking. And I think hunting these last few years just kind of felt like a, I don't know, a logical way to just kind of add something to that experience. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it. You know, grew up playing sports, have moved around a lot, um, in and out of cities, kind of had some different opportunities. I think when I really kind of started to get the hunting bug, when I was living in that small town in Idaho, I was seeing guys who were elk hunting, they were, uh, fishing, you know, having barbecues and there's kind of this connection to the land that I didn't have growing up. You know, you kind of start intuiting the seasons cause you know, Oh, in the fall, everybody's, you know, grilling elk tenderloins and stuff like that. And I started kind of, I think that's where the uh, seed got planted and then just 
with jobs and school and stuff like that. I was just in cities and kind of couldn't make it happen. But then uh, kind of started moving back to places out West here, especially Utah, where I could start thinking about making that happen. So kind of that initial little seed that got planted uh, slowly came to fruition. Finally, it was time to just get a tag and, you know, get a rifle and head on out and see, see what it was all about. So that's, yeah. I guess, kind of the, the quick, the quick overview. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So this is obviously part of the before and after the hunt listener series. So we'll talk a bit before, um, you know, your hunts for this fall and mm-hmm. then afterwards we'll chat later in another episode, but you kind of mentioned in your email, like maybe it would be good with your experience to do an after before and then after (laughs) so like some of the lessons you've learned from some of your hunts how that's changed like your preparation going into this year and then we'll chat later again but uh, so this is your third season hunting big game this upcoming fall yeah exactly yeah i think that's a great way to say after before after i almost feel a little bit like i'm not that i'm resetting but that i'm almost heading into my third season not fresh but it's a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say a new start, but I'm kind of rethinking some things. So yeah, I think that's a perfect description of it. Yeah. Let's dive into that. So what, what has you rethinking? How is your mindset different? How are you looking at things differently? How is this a, a fresh start, even though it's your third season? Yeah. I, I think the real quick recap is the first season I just moved to Utah. I was like, well, I live in a Western state where you can get an over the counter tag. So uh, I grabbed a over the scener over the counter uh, elk tag, and was scouting a general unit. And while that was happening, a buddy I play kind of on a beer beer league hockey team with, I kind of could tell I was getting into hunting. He was one of the guys I was kind of asking some questions of, and he's like, "Oh, would you like to go deer hunting in uh, in Wyoming?" I was like, "That sounds cool. I thought it'd be fun to kind of have somebody to go with as opposed to purely learning how to hunt." hundred percent solo. That sounded great. And turns out he, he was extremely generous, split 10 points he had so we could get a, a decent tag south of Jackson. Um, and I kind of just basically put the general season elk tag on the shelf. I was like, you know, I didn't want to waste the money, but you know, the opportunity to go up to a good region up there. Um, and so that first year, I guess that would have been, I guess that'd be 20, um, 2021, uh, just did all deer hunting. Uh, and that was kind of my first season and, you know, there's tons of stories and stuff in there, but the gist of it was kind of happy go lucky. It's like, everything was new. There was like the drive up, you know, oh my gosh, I got a rifle. I got a bow buying camo for the binoculars, like just getting out. Um, honestly, I was moving from a city before I moved to Utah. So I was like kind of getting reconnected with what I love, which is backpacking. So just a lot of just fun and great kind of everything was new. Uh, the season after that, you know, I was stoked, had a great time, actually found success on, you know, the 11th hour of the last day of season, which was cool. Um, we can talk about that later. Uh, but then for the, the following year, 2022, I was kind of like, that's great. Let's put in. I was trying to get in some college buddies to join me. They'd been kind of hunting curious as well. Again, outdoors guys. Um, and I don't know. I think that year kind of built up a little bit more pressure. I don't know if I realized it at the time, but I ended up getting a, a archery elk tag in Idaho and then a general elk tag in Wyoming, uh, really wasn't supposed to draw the elk tag in Wyoming. Uh, there was just, 
Uh, we were just one of the, I applied with my buddies as a group, had, you know, 9% chance of drawing, uh, didn't really expect it. So thought I could focus on Idaho. Turned out got both of them. And then uh, I was like, well, that's going to be a busy fall for basically my first time elk hunting. Um, and then over the course of that year, you know, just wanting to do it, you know, I'd, I'd um, felt, you know, like I'd progressed a year I'd listened to every podcast on the planet, read every article. And I think I just started putting pressure on myself, uh, you know, to go harder to, you know, the drive up to Idaho was nine hours round trip, um, which was kind of taxing for kind of the weekend warrior approach. Um, you know, a bunch of things happened during that season. I was kind of, it was my own tag for Idaho. And then my buddies were coming for Wyoming and I was just a little bit ahead of them and their experience. Um, so it was kind of like I was guiding in a way, even though I was like, it's kind of was like the blind leading the blind. Um, yeah. but I did have more experience than them. Um, and I just realized sometime in that fall, I was like, I, I'm just trying to do this with brute force. I'm not sure if I'm fully enjoying this. I mean, I, you know, when you're out there, you're having a good time, but it was just starting to drain, drain me a little bit. So I guess the, you know, the first season was more happy, go lucky, just everything's new. The second season, I think I was just getting pressure to, to perform and, Oh, you should know how to do this. And um, so that's kind of what caused me to kind of, I don't know, start thinking a little bit during the middle of the season about what I was doing um and take a maybe start thinking about a slightly different approach for this year so i don't know that's kind of the the high level recap no it's good i mean i'm sure that i know that i can relate to all that i'm sure that a lot of listeners can and it your example is great it helps me like think through some of my past and how man like you said when everything's new everything's exciting you're just when that's the case, you're enjoying it for what it is. Like you're just, you're receiving like, Hey, this is an opportunity and this is an experience and you're not necessarily like, yeah, you're strategic, but you're not like trying to control every outcome per se. And then, yeah, like for you going into the second season, higher pressure and all that stuff. Like you even had one of your notes about the second season in your email was like, you had this kind of failure is not an option mindset. And on once and it's like, that can be helpful in the sense of if you tell yourself that and it keeps you out there longer and trying harder and making the most of your time, then that's great. But I mean, that's one thing with hunting is you can do everything right. And you can like, let's say theoretically everything within your control, you made every decision, right? You made, you know, everything you, you can control, you do perfect, which is not going to happen, but let's say it could even then success is not up to you. (laughs) Like you can do everything right and still quote unquote fail in terms of, you know, filling a tag or what have you. So it is one of those things like with, with hunting's not the same as every other pursuit where you do need to be diligent and um, not give up and all that stuff. But at the very, very, very end, you also have to, to some extent, like be okay with accepting let me control what I can control, but there's so much that I cannot control. And that's kind of like a kind of a constant balancing act on mindset and stuff like that. Totally. Um, yeah, I think I was letting, Oh, that I think you perfectly stated that, um, you know, I, I was trying to assimilate all this information. Um, you know, I've listened to a lot of your guys' podcasts. I've 
I forget which episodes it was, but you had that series on deer from a little while ago, a couple mm-hmm. of years back that I listened to for my first season. And then obviously all your elk content and, you know, all the other guys that are putting content out and I'm listening to it and reading strategy articles and all that stuff. And, um, you're starting to understand what different people's styles are, you know, a little bit more calling for, you know, for archery and just all the different things out there. And I think, what was happening was I was kind of getting this ever growing list of things that you needed to do in order to be successful. Um, but kind of forgetting that the guys that are generally on these shows are producing content that are employing those tactics, employing that knowledge, uh, are doing so with 10, 15, 20, I mean, 30 years of experience. And I think I was running myself a little bit ragged mentally trying to like, run through like, okay, do I have this like decision rubric at every instance of what to do? And then being frustrated, you know, when I was obviously just messing stuff up less left and right. And so I think one thing I'm kind of interested in doing now is, um, or it's kind of my plan going into this season is to try and wield that information more generally and say, listen, you can't, if, if I read a paragraph in a book about what to do with like, you know, an elk coming in on an arc for wind from calling, if I read that five times, I'm not going to know it any better than if I read it once. Now it just is going to take five, 10 years of going out and doing this to actually implement it and have that experience to know when to use those tools, to know when to use those tactics Uh, And I think at the end of last season, somewhere in the middle there where I was kind of starting to realize or, you know, starting to think about some of the stuff, um, I was realizing, you know, like I, you can't just be trying to follow this strict playbook because everyone's got their different style and there's so much information. I mean, if for every time I heard you got to go deeper and then somebody else would say, ah, but actually about a mile from the road is kind of the soft spot. Or you got to be super aggressive. Like you got to charge at them bugling or, hey, you know, I'm kind of the guy that bugles once. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm going down the list of things that I'm being told by highly successful hunters, people that, you know, I would respect their opinion of infinitely, but that they're always a little bit you can either go left or go right in any of these situations. And they know how to do that because they're, you know, savants at what they're doing. And I don't have that. So I'm kind of like, I got a good baseline understanding. I think I've assimilated a lot of the information. Now I need to kind of chill out and be like, well, now you just got to settle in for five years until some of that stuff is becoming your knowledge. So um, yeah, I think that's a little bit of what I've got in mind for this coming season. Yeah. That's really good, man. I mean, there's uh like one example of that would be, I've heard people talk about, you know, in years past, this isn't related to hunting, but just in general, like the difference between knowledge versus wisdom and knowledge <laughs> is like awareness, right? Like I know facts or what have you, but wisdom is knowing how to take knowledge and then apply it. It's doing something with knowledge. And in the hunting context, hunting wisdom is only going to come with experience. It's taking the knowledge from a podcast, an article, a video, what have you, pairing that with your in the field experience analyzing the situations for yourself maybe knowing what to apply what is and isn't relevant in terms of knowledge and then as you do that you're building wisdom over time that's going to come with experience paired with that knowledge um yeah it's it's there's just no there's no replacing the in the field experience for sure and back to your point on (laughs) how much 
do you want to listen to or take in and knowing it, you just can't take any one thing as gospel, right? As you said, people have different strategies. There's different ways to be successful. There's different contexts where certain types of advice or strategies would apply and certain times it wouldn't. And uh, that goes back to like knowing when to apply certain bits of knowledge and actually having some wisdom in that context. So it's all good stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. It feels totally the, it feels like from it, a bit of a combination of uh, confidence and um, in believing in yourself and not, um, but also kind of accepting where you're at. Those two kind of themes were ones of like, you know, being like having a confidence, you know, almost every time I've ever gone out on a scouting trip or gone to an area, like I'm pretty good at e-scouting. I'm very comfortable in the outdoors just from a general standpoint, you know, on a lot of these shows, you know, people, we end up talking about gear and this stuff like that, but like what tent to go like buy and where to, where to camp on a ridge and thermals that, that was kind of, I don't want to say a given. I mean, I, I definitely need to brush up on it. Um, but I had just a baseline comfort there. Um, and so I was starting to, you know, that was an area of confidence, but, the area where it's like, well, how the heck do the animals use the landscape? Yeah, that was like this whole black hole. Um, and I was realizing that I was by listen, you know, by taking in all this information and kind of approaching it from a, a standpoint of, I don't know this. Uh, I wasn't necessarily accepting that I was, yep, I'm a brand new hunter. I call it an adult onset hunter. Uh, and, but also, and, and so acknowledging that fact, and I don't have 10, 20, 30 years, I didn't grow up doing this stuff, but also then kind of pairing that acceptance of where you are and the wisdom that you do or don't have with the confidence that like, Hey man, like, look at what you're seeing. Like every time you've gone out looking for a species, you have found it. Now I didn't find the biggest deer every time or the, you know, huge herds of elk, but I've always been in the right spot. So that doesn't mean I'm doing the right thing in the moment of, actually you know the 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 last one yard or i forget what some of the you know the last actually executing a kill or something like that and we've got some stories we could dive into on that but not saying hey well you know i I haven't been successful i don't have you know antlers on the back of my truck or you know whatever i'm not getting close that's not a reason at least for me i started realizing that's not a reason for me to have no faith in myself you know it does mean certain things um but being like, hey, if you're getting in there and you're having interactions, and I know a lot of people talk about, well, define success for you. You know, for a first year hunter, it might be like see elk sign <laughs> and then yeah. like hear an elk. And then, you know, your your expectations kind of progress. Um, and I think I was kind of maybe just putting high expectations on myself to be like, it, it's really just, you know, exit, you know, harvest an animal or not. And I think that eroded a bit of confidence out in the field because I was like, wait a minute, if you go back, I'm like, I was getting on animals all the time. Now, sure, I was botching them to kill or the stock or, you know, whatever. Um, but I think that pairing of accepting of the fact that I, I can't have more experience or wisdom than I do have, but also having confidence in what I am doing well. Um, those are things I really, I, I think I want to focus on going into 20, well, I guess for the fall here of 2023. Well, let's talk about uh before we get more into your plan obviously we've hit on planning and mindset a lot in terms of your upcoming season so in terms of the quote-unquote before portion of this we've (laughs) touched on it we can come back to it but 
let's talk about some of the lessons you have pulled from your experiences more specifically. Um, I definitely want to hit two things and we can talk on others, but one, as you mentioned, uh, I think on, on last year's season with elk, it came down to like the 11th hour success. That was last year with elk, right? Uh, two years ago, deer. Oh, that was with deer. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Yep. So that was the Wyoming trip then. Correct. Okay, cool. So was it hard for you again, going back to this is your first season, your mindset's a bit different than last year in your second season. Was it hard for you to quote unquote, stick with it throughout all the ups and downs of the challenge to remain persistent to find that 11th hour success or because everything was kind of like new and you didn't have the pressure and all that it wasn't as challenging to like stay in it stay positive etc yeah that's a that's a great question the what happened on that is again my buddy had split points with me super generous but he'd been super busy and so i'd actually been able to go up way more than him i'd done i think i ended up doing two scouting trips and four hunting trips, like with an actual, either a bow or a rifle in my hand. Um, so he came out with one scouting trip, but then I, I did the bulk. I mean, I did the end of scouting and then my first three archery trips, these were all like kind of extended weekends, you know, trying to sneak out on like late on a Thursday so I could get a three day weekend and kind of thing. Um, and throughout that process, I mean, I was in like these high Wyoming basins, uh, you know, just stalking up and down the ridges and I was honestly just having such a good time, you know, seeing sunsets again, as I said, I'd kind of moved from a city previous years and I was like, yep, I'm back. I'm back in the outdoors. This is awesome. Holy crap. I'm, I'm playing hide and go seek with these animals. Like I, I could glass for days. I just love it. So honestly, there wasn't much kind of fatigue at that moment. Um, and I'm out there doing it by myself. Uh, so I think I wasn't, yeah, it was a little bit of the newness. It was just great to be outdoors, seeing sunsets and sunrises again, like I said. Um, and towards the end of the season, uh, actually the last trip of the year, my buddy was like, I'm busy, but I can make one last weekend, which was the last weekend of the whole rifle season. I was like, that was great. So that was a bit of a mental bump. You know, you've been out there, you know, I was having a really good time, but um, I don't think my weariness was coming from kind of really a mental thing. I was just like, you know, I've been, driving out of town for doing a lot of driving and a lot of hiking for a couple months now. So it's just a little boost to have somebody to talk with on the trail and having camp and stuff like that. So that was, that was really important, but I really think what happened and, I, and I'm almost grateful for this in a way is I finally kind of got to the point where I authentically understood what was meant by you know, it's about the experience. It's not about, you know, the harvest or the antlers or all that stuff. And I'd certainly been trying to tell myself that, but I don't think I'd actually believed it. You're like, oh yeah, totally about the experience, but let's go get the biggest buck I can. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like, wink, it's all of it. And you're like, I'm yeah. having a good experience, but you're like, I want to kill a, as big a buck as I possibly can. Well, uh, that last trip, you know, so it's getting into October, it's getting colder, we made a, a couple good plays on some animals across the basin. So, you know, pretty long lead ups kind of getting over there. Um, hadn't had success and had totally and authentically come to grips with the fact that I absolutely was walking away with a tag in my pocket. 
And, you know, that process, you know, probably took a couple days of like, ooh, this is not looking good. They are way harder to get on. They, the, the area we were in just has so, many, so much micro topography that they could just hide anywhere. I mean, the wind was always in their favor unless, you know, and I, I wasn't shooting, you know, 700 yards or what some people can do. So, uh, so I actually got to that point and I was like, you know what, this tag, this piece of paper in my pocket, it got me out. It got me to have a new experience. And earlier in the season, I was like, yeah, no, I want to, I want to get a big animal. Um, and so we're walking out, um, the last day he actually, um, had a wildfire. My buddy that I was going with had a wildfire pop up very close to his house. And he had to pick up his daughter that, that evening as well. He'd been away for the weekend. So he kind of was starting to look back towards home. And I was like, you know what? This has been a good push. I'm glad you cut out time to come up for this kind of last trip. Um, but he's like, I got to go. And I'm kind of still clinging to this idea of just maybe, I mean, it's literally the last day of season where we're up on a ridge. We got, you know, five, six miles back to the car, you know, it's middle of the day. So we'll probably get, get out in the early afternoon and, you know, get back to, for him to take care of what he needs to take care of. Hopefully his house doesn't burn down. Um, and I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, this is like looking around storm clouds are rolling in. Like there's a pretty big storm, uh, snowstorm rolling in from the West. It's like, yep. Okay. This is it. Um, and so, yeah, just was kind of authentically at that point where I was like, okay, this has been a good season. I, I learned a ton. Uh, we're working our way down. Um, and he's humoring me a little bit. I know he, he's hunted a bunch. My buddy has hunted a bunch. So he's like, okay, great. If we don't get a deer this year, there's always next year. Um, he's kind of focused on getting back to life. And I was, I'm kind of holding on like, but what if we just maybe go over the side basin and, you know, see if there's any, and so we did that. He humored me on this kind of sub basin on the way out. Um, and we're fine at seeing tons of deer, mostly does couple spikes, but it's, we're, we're definitely in their habitat. We get there and we're kind of sneaking along, you know, doing our thing, you know, we're moving out towards the car, but kind of hunting our way back out to the car, you know, talk about a classic piece of advice like don't just walk back to the car hunt all the way back to the truck kind of thing and we kind of get to a knob on the far side of the the this little bowl and he's like okay that was a good thing now it's i think it's time to put it in high gear you know what we could do he grew up bird hunt more bird hunting than big game hunting he's done both he's like why don't we just pheasant hunt this you know it's these big strips of um trees kind of like and then grassy fields almost like a, a golf course like fairways like, let's just pheasant hunt these deer it's like okay i mean <laughs> we're walking out of here <laughs> i haven't heard of that tactic before but you've done this before i haven't and so he's like yeah let's just make noise and walk and kind of hightail it out of here and like purposely make a bit of noise so we're chatting away and all of a sudden he whips around and there's this you know it's a buck i can tell it's a buck it's probably the first one we've seen that day kind of among these smaller does running uh uh, contouring across the top of this basin, you know, a few hundred yards above us, crossing these fairways, you know, going from grass into the trees, grass. And I don't know what happened. I mean, I don't have any experience. I'd probably shot about two boxes of ammo in my whole life at that point. And some flip switches in my mind and I just take off at a dead run. <laughs> and I, I whip my pack off my bag. The, he's, the, the buck's coming from right to left. And so he's coming through a couple of these fairways. And I can see I'm like, I'm kind of angling in on an intercept course where I'll probably be about 200-ish yards away. But he's clearly intent on just contouring. I was like, well, that's odd. I thought maybe if 
I'm running at him, it, it would steer him away. It's like, well, this is all I got. I mean, it's either this or the, or the car. And so I put my backpack down. I get a, I, I steady on the yoke and he comes out, stops in the middle. I pull the trigger, nothing. I mean, I might have missed that shot so bad. It's still going into outer space now. Like no dirt, dirt, dirt popped up or anything. I was like, well, and I don't know what kind of mindset I'm in, but I've gone into like killer deer mode, like a, a place in my brain I did not know exists because I'm not consciously doing this anymore. So I immediately just pick up, ditch my backpack, run about another hundred yards to my left, paralleling the deer, get a touch ahead of it because it's you know kind of going slow through some of the trees. And I get out on this little spruce tree that's maybe as high as, you know, my chest, one of those little bendy ones. And I grab a little um, side branch to get a little bit of steadiness. But the whole thing is like swaying back and forth. Sure enough, the deer comes out and I don't even think I just put the crosshairs right on his vitals and pull. And the thing doesn't make it 10 yards. Um there was no second guessing of whether, you know, how should I pull the trigger? It's like I had gone to some subconscious primitive hunter mode. I had, I had didn't know existed. Um, and so my, I've ditched my buddy behind me. He didn't, we were kind of hunting maybe 50 yards apart, walking down the slope. So he hadn't seen me take off the first time. And then he hadn't seen me take off the second time. And then he hears a shot or two shots, I guess the first one and the second one. So he's comes up around the corner being like, oh man, like we had had a little talk beforehand. Like we're going home with our tags in our pocket. We're not shooting a spike. Like I got a place to be. We can do, you know, I'll share some of my meat with you. If you have a buck, great. But if not, we're just doing, we're, we're walking home if it's just a spike. So he thinks he, in his mind, he's like, oh great. The new guy just shot a spike. Now I got to show him, you know, walk him through. It's going to be a couple hours, yada, yada, yada. So he's a little bit like his face is like, okay, here we go. And I'm so jacked up because I've seen this thing go down that I'm running down the hill like a Taliban fighter with my hands above my head. But, you know, my rifle's safe, but I'm running down with it over my head, sprinting at him. Because at this point, I've come back to like my real conscious self and the emotion and adrenaline. And I just run right at him and give him the biggest hug ever. But he was like kind of backing away from me. So I'm sure I had like the crazy eyes going on. Um, and he still can't see the animal. So we're walking up the hill to finally look at it. And we get up and he's like, Oh crap. You actually, and I got, you know, it was a four by four, nothing crazy. I mean, a very solid deer, but you know, I'm sure some people would have passed it over and some people are pretty psyched on it, but yeah. And, and then in that moment, you know, having just an hour or two, having been on top of that mountain, I guess it's turned into a bit of a long story, but having been at peace with like, you know, this piece of paper got me out and had, I got, it was the reason paid a few hundred bucks to have a little bit of motivation to get out here. And then a couple hours later, just randomly have this experience. It was just a flood of emotions, you know, excitement, you know, kind of, I don't know. I was, there's part of me that was super sad. Like, you know, this it was a majestic animal. Like I'd never been up close with a deer like that before. Part of me felt kind of yucky that I'd had to, you know, I'd spent six weeks, two months focused on killing it. But then the excitement and the relief and, you know, like, oh, man, now we, we got to learn how to, you know, field dress an animal. So anyhow, that turned into a bit of a story. But it was I guess the point of it was kind of this transition from acceptance of like, nope, uh, this is this was the purpose of hunting. This was getting out to actually ended up having some success um, and just kind of a really interesting, you know, couple hours to to go through those different emotions. Yeah. 
Dude, there's so not only is that just a cool story, but everything you relayed up front about it's easy to give like lip service to, oh, it's just <laughs> about the experience and oh yeah, this great sunrise and sunset and excuse to get out and all that. Like it's easy to say that, but as you said, there's something different between saying that and thinking it, or even I honestly think we think we believe it, but then there is like this other deeper, I've truly accepted like that, like that it is about the experience and that I am uh, satisfied in a way <laughs> by just doing this and eating a tag. Right. Um, totally. Cause there's been, there's been uh, times where I've said it, but didn't fully believe it or feel it at least. Um, and then there's been times where, and I, I think I'm able to do that more, um, more fully now because I've been there, like because I've accepted it on this hunt and that hunt and truly have come to the place where it's like this quote unquote unsuccessful spirit experience that was truly valuable and worthwhile and fulfilling. Now it is easier to see that kind of in, in every hunt in a way um but yeah man there's so much good stuff in there i love so the other thing that came back to and this ties back to like what you were saying earlier about all the information all the podcasts all the articles all the stuff all the analyzing all the advice that all flew out the window when you just let your hunting instinct take over which <laughs> yeah. is really important because i think sometimes we're just way too on our head or way too analytical. And again, like there's balance and all this stuff. Sometimes we make stupid decisions because we're not thinking critically. Right. But other times we need to switch our brain off or stop thinking about, you know, should I, and just like let that instinct take over. Um, and most often that is going to be kind of in those final moments of, you know, a shot opportunity or a stock or what have you, like the closer you, I think the closer you are to the end, quote unquote, the end of a hunt, the shot opportunity, the more you need to rely on instinct. And then the further you are away from that, the more you need to rely on like being analytical, if that makes sense. Um, totally. And that isn't to say that, you know, there's, Again, if you're doing like, say, a spot and stock archery mule deer hunt, like you need to analyze everything right up until the shot. Yes. But in general, I think it's okay to be more analytical, quote unquote, further out. But then when it's like, when it's time to freaking hunt and it's time to kill, like that's when it's much more instinctual. So I love that for you, even then as a new hunter, like you, you mentioned numerous things in there that I think we could share as a quote unquote tip or strategy, like even how you tried to brace yourself on the branch and stuff like that. That didn't happen because you had been doing positional field shooting for six months before <laughs> season, right? Like that was nope. just a very much like I need stability. How do I get stability? Here's some stability. And you didn't even think through that again. It was all just very instinctual. So I love that for you as a new hunter that flip just switched and you just did so many quote unquote right things that you didn't know were right things in a way. Totally. And I think one thing of my second season is actually, I think this is true of a lot of sports. It doesn't even, it's like the first time you go out 
you're just, you're not thinking. And then you're like, Oh, that was really fun. And then the second time you go out, you know, mountain biking, skiing, kayaking, like whatever it might be, all of a sudden you're starting to think about it. And it actually, mm-hmm. and I think that's exactly what happened in my second season. I was like, yeah, that, first, that was just blind running around, you know, eyes rolled up back in my head, you know, firing a gun at a deer kind of thing. And it worked. And I, and I really think, you know, I, I probably had more information for my second season. And I think there was a couple times, there's one story kind of chasing, chasing an elk through the woods, bugling. Um, but yeah, I think I started thinking too much. Um, so yeah, that's exactly how you described it. Um, and I think that was part of that second season where I was like, well, okay, now I know how to do it. Now it's time to just get better. And then you're just in your own head and it's, it's too much analytical stuff. And you need to, even with a guy that doesn't have hardly any experience like me, let her rip, you know, you know, be mm-hmm. informed. Um, but you're not going to think your way into that last, you know, 50 yards with an elk in the woods kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or at least it doesn't seem like it for, like, from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You, you had, again, in some of the email notes, like, you missed it 24 yards twice is one of your notes. And I don't, I don't have the story, but was this in the second season with archery elk or what was the situation here? Okay. So contrast, like, I think you hinted at it there a second ago, but contrast, we just heard the story. You're acting on instinct. You have some success with this deer versus what was the difference then, or at least some of the differences. I know they're different species, different weapon, different situation, but highlighting some of the differences on the misses sure and i think you kind of hinted at it i mean the the short version of it is i was using when i was using my instincts calling and kind of chasing the self i wasn't thinking i was just kind of doing and then in the last you know you know getting close to the shot i think i started thinking and that's where it went wrong so um the first one so yeah so this is last year 2022 um archery elk in idaho kind of Eastern Idaho. And it's hot. I mean, I think everywhere was hot last year from what I can gather. So it's, you know, I'm just hiking around trying to find the the dark, the dark timber. And I'm coming across this east facing slope. I'm working north kind of, there's little, lots of little wallows and seeps and stuff. So it seems pretty good, but I get to the end of this drainage and I'm bugling the whole time. And then again, it's hot, it's midday, but again, I've heard people say, Hey, the midday is the best time to hunt. And I've heard it's the worst time. So I was like, you know what? I think I actually made myself a little bit of a promise at the beginning of the season, which was like, if there is an elk, I don't care where it is, what it is doing. I am going after it because I don't have enough information to like determine whether this is the perfect scenario or not. So let's just go, not like bonsai, but just like, don't, don't kind of think your way out of whether you should go after something, go after it, blow it up or be successful, whatever, but just take that decision off the table. So I'm, so I'm hunting across this slope. Um, and I let out a bugle and this, this elk just whips around probably 60 yards in front of me, just looking straight at me. Like I'm out in the open, kind of behind a tree. Uh, it's like, well, that's blown up, but, um, I freeze immediately and, you know, head to toe camo, and I stand there. We probably have a five, 10 minute um, kind of standoff there in the woods. And then he just, he kind of trots away, but it wasn't the, uh, I didn't blow him out. He didn't send me. He just kind of saw me. And then I hope I kind of blended in. So over the next like 20, 30 minutes, I'm, I, I'm like, well, it's the only animal I've seen. I mean, it's as quiet as can be. It's the middle of the day. It's blazing hot. Uh, whatever. Let's go see if this animal will play a little bit. Uh, so I just start kind of, 
trotting after him, not so quietly and bugling my, you know, I don't sound good on a bugle, you know, I'm, you know, missing notes and great, you know, but just doing whatever. I'm like, I think it's, you know, you, the, probably the bit of information that stuck with me the most is doesn't matter if you're a good caller, if you're kind of doing it with the right purpose in a way. So I'm like fake growl. Like, I mean, it all must sound atrocious to people that can actually do this, but I'm trying to imagine like putting a little bit of like a voice into it, if that makes sense. Like trying to be like, I'm trying to say something. I don't really know what it is, but I'm not just trying to make a bland generic elk call note over and over and over. Um, and so this goes on, you know, we, we kind of circle back and now we're heading South along this face. Uh, he kind of cut back underneath me and I push him, but then he bugles and then I push him and then, but he's still bugling. I was like, well, you know, if this thing really wanted to get away from me, he would have ditched me long ago. He would have run, you know, two counties over. So he's still interested and coming down the slope are all these avalanche paths. So it's kind of, again, that like strip of trees, grass, strip of trees, grass. And I get to this one and on the far side of the, um, the open grass, there's a bit of a, it looks like maybe it was a very old mudslide. So there's almost this plateau. It's probably 20, 30 feet higher. And I think he goes up onto the slope of that. So I'm on the trees on one side of this grassy strip. He goes to the other side with a little bit of elevated ground. And then he doesn't, he doesn't keep moving off. Um, and so I kind of set up shop. I start raking a ton. I was like, you know what? This guy's heard my bugle a hundred times now. If he's still interested, I'm going to kind of switch over to something that's going to make him have to come investigate because he probably can tell this is a very odd sounding elk coming after him or challenging him. So I just start raking. It's kind of this duff, you know, duff understory with these big pine trees. So it's really dark, but really open. And I just raking as much as I possibly can. And again, not thinking this whole time from when I first, uh, first came almost face to face with them. And then all these, um, the bugles working probably a half mile back along the space. Um, I hadn't been thinking. I was like, well, what do I got to do? It's the middle of the day. Like after this, I'll grab a sandwich or something, you know, no chances will actually work out. Well, lo and behold, I'm raking and this meadow between us is kind of crowned. So all of a sudden I see these two illuminated tips of antlers just trotting right at me, getting bigger and bigger. So he's on the far side of the, the grass kind of coming up the far side of the slope. I was like, Oh, whoa, what do I do? Like I'm in the open, even though it's in a forest, it's wide, just big trees with all that duff. And this is where I think the thinking started <laughs> uh, up until that point. It just been instinctual. Like, yeah, raking, like, raking sounds great. And it's open and I'll get them to come in. And then he came in and he came in, you know, and over the course of probably 60 to 90 seconds, he traversed all the way from the far side where he was across the crown of the grassy slope and into the woods and he came, I mean, he came to look directly at the exact tree where I was. And I think my brain just locked up in that last 90 seconds. I was like, oh, he's coming. Okay. Like I got to get my, and way too much thinking, like it was happening at that moment. Um, and so he kind of comes into the, the dark forested area where I'm standing darker, I guess, pretty open. And I'm just standing there and I just like jump behind a tree and I was like, Oh no, well now I'm trapped. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. He's, he's 22, 24 yards, just straight dead on. Um, and I'm like, well, the gig is up. Like there's no, I'm not going to like 
jump out from behind the tree and do a frontal shot as my first shot on an elk with a bow. So, I mean, I kind of step out for a second and like, and he just looks at me and turns and wheels and runs away. Um, and if I had just swung around, he had to come around a really big tree that had fallen down pretty old, like one of those clean trees. That's like really good for firewood. If I had stepped like 20 yards and kind of swung around to the left, he would have walked by me broadside at a distance. I mean, I could have underhand tossed a ketchup packet and hit him probably. Um, but again, I just started thinking once he was coming in, you know, I saw those tips in the sun kind of coming across and that's where the thinking started. So that was my first, I guess I didn't technically miss it 24 yards, but I'm like, I'm not jumping out from behind a tree and taking a frontal shot. That's just not what my first shot of an elk is going to be. So yeah. <laughs> we're not, we're not doing that. Good thing um, your instincts didn't take you there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, if I had my previous year's instinct, you know, for all I know, I bury that thing dead center and the thing drops right there, but that's probably trying to lean on some skill that does not actually exist. Probably let that be a one-time experience. Yeah. So what's a, uh, aside from anything you just mentioned, what's a, a quote unquote lesson or takeaway from, Hey, I would do that differently. Is it just moving then? Like, you know, cause that is one thing, especially solo elk hunting and calling. And by calling, I mean, basically any noise, like including your raking is make that sound. But as you said, that bull's coming in pinpointed on this is the location of the sound. It's insane to me how, how well they can seem to pinpoint that. So, um, Obviously, you didn't know he was coming until kind of it was a little bit too late or you saw those tips. But just in general, like a broad principle, again, especially so low cunning is, you know, kind of get off the X. Like if, you, if you're calling for any decent time and you think there's any chance of uh, an elk coming in, like don't be standing, sitting, whatever at the spot where that call came from. Sometimes it's just a minor shift in um location i've done that even with like cold calling setups of like it's mid-afternoon i don't even know if any elk are here but we're gonna sit down take a break grab some lunch whatever maybe we do like this calling sequence for a few minutes and you know maybe there's some satellite who's going to come walk in right well the best thing you can do is go ahead and do that calling sequence but after you've kind of done that if you're going to continue to be in that area sit down take a break whatever get you know 10 15 yards off of that exact spot you may not think it would matter but as you said elk can pinpoint stuff like crazy yeah that's exactly what it would have been you know you hear about them coming in on the arc and you know yeah just don't be where you called from because i'll know it so yep if i had probably just kind of kept moving and kind of kept going with that instinct if i had swung i don't know 15 20 yards a little bit in an arc i don't remember exactly what the wind was doing it was midday so in these grassy areas, it was going up, but maybe in this, who knows what was happening, but he came in so fast. He was a little, he was probably a smaller five point, you know, nothing crazy, but like he was not being super cautious. Like he was coming to see what was going on. So I think if I had stepped to the side, I would have been real hard pressed to miss that, that, uh, that elk. Well, I know we're skipping a lot of stories, lessons, encounters that we could talk about, but I do want to make sure we get to the more of the before since this is a before mm -hmm. and after series. So what is, what's your hunting plan for this fall? Like what tags do you have? And then how are you kind of preparing for those? Yeah. So I got, um, so kind of going back to some of the stuff we talked about 
early on, which is about, you know, kind of fatigue and burnout and stuff like that. Um, I got another um, over-the-counter Idaho archery elk tag. And, you know, I I kind of, and, and I got the buddy who I deer hunt with, we're, we're going together. Um, and so we were evaluating what tag to get. And we could have, you know, when we got in line and, oh my gosh, the whole Idaho draw fiasco. Um, but we were in a position we were going to kind of be able to get pretty much what we wanted. Um, actually, um, from a general unit standpoint. And the debate was like, well, you, you have all this experience having run around the, this one area, um, so much last year, that's a huge positive. Um, but I, I, I kind of wanted to say, I'd rather take an area that's closer. So I'm not so exhausted, like literally or figuratively, you know, so I picked a place just a couple hours away, you know, still a solid unit, but no experience there. I was like, I think I'm going to exchange familiarity for proximity. Um, so, so got that. So have that in my pocket. Um, we were just going for an elk tag, but sure enough, we had driven up to a local, um, gas station or wherever they sell them. And we're sitting in line for, you know, three, four hours and guys are pulling their phones out and showing what they shot last year and all the big ones they've scouted. So we, uh, our commitment to just ending up with an elk tag, um, was undermined by all that. We panicked at the counter and ended up getting deer tags as well. So we got rifle, um, rifle deer tags. And then I threw in, um, for an Arizona tag. I'd done kind of the, um, hunter safety class. So I think I had an extra point there, um, and put in for a, a high opportunity, low quality, um, kind of November hunt down there on the muggy on rim, just, uh, you know, get out in the field with a bow, do a little camping, you know, better to be out in the bow than just, you know, watching videos of other people elk hunting. So that's what I got in my pocket this year. Um, two archery elk tags and a rifle deer tag. Um, and then, uh, I've already committed. I got a buddy and caught one of those guys that I went with last year. He's, he's in Colorado. So he always goes, does some rifle elk hunting near, um, kind of just in the, uh, little bit outside of Denver. So I usually go and help him kind of with a, without bringing a tag or a rifle or anything. So that, that's what I got coming up. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. My, my plan is, yeah, I, I opted just for something closer. Um, and I guess that kind of continues into my prep now and I'm kind of taking a less is more approach. Uh, I think I went the more is more approach last year. And so, you know, I've been staying in shape, you know, I've done a couple weighted hikes here in the, the foothills and stuff like that with a weighted pack. Um, and just started kind of shooting my bow now. I was like, well, it's, we're getting down. And I'd mentioned this before we started recording. I was like, well, it's, it's time. You know, I don't have a decade's worth of muscle memory to draw upon. So it's time to get out there shooting. So, I've, you know, I've already gone out twice this week. Maybe go out another time. Um, but I think at a high level, my approach is going to be brush up on some of the stuff. You know, listen to a few of the podcasts, that kind of stuff but not make this a nightly thing where it's like, Oh, you just have to pour over. This is not, you know, we're not, I'm not prepping to go to war here. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of taking a less is more, uh, brush up on the skills. Um, I've got a suppressor coming, um, which I'm pretty excited about for the deer tag. So unfortunately that's taken a while, but I've kind of got that my sights set on putting some time in before October with that, but I, I got to wait it, for it to get here. Um, done my e-scouting, you know, I'm pretty good at e-scouting, but really familiar with maps and just generally kind of 
I don't know, assimilating all the information that you guys and other people put out there. Um, but really trying to keep my powder dry, so to speak, so that, you know, as I start building up in the month or two beforehand, um, I'm really pumped going into season and it's still kind of fresh and new. I haven't worn myself out. I think, you know, maybe from like a, you can't run the race before the race happens. You can, you, the only thing you can do is like overtrain and kind of like get injured or burn yourself out literally or figuratively before the race. So, um, just generically that that's kind of what I've got in mind for, uh, this coming fall. Uh, all that's helpful. It stands out to me how different people need different things, right? So like some guys need to be kicked in the butt to actually do something to prepare, to get into shape, to whatever. And then other guys like almost it's like, you need to take a chill pill, man. Like you said, you're not going into (laughs) war. Like it is great that you're wanting to be so serious and do all these things, but it, at what point are you getting value out of it? You know, like is, is, as you said, is more truly more, or is there a point where it's like, yeah, more is not actually better anymore. Maybe you're just going to get burnt out. Maybe you're going to get injured. Maybe what have you. So different people need different things, need different, you know, advice, motivation, et cetera. And that even changes with not only your hunting journey, but season of life and all kinds of stuff for sure. So that's just one thing of, I say all that to say, I guess, do your own thing <laughs> just because someone else yep. is, you know, out there doing X, Y, or Z. It's like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not personally like, I never really struggled with it, but I just got sick of it in general. Like I just don't, I'm not on social media. I don't care what other people are doing. Like just, you know, like stay in your own lane, do your own thing. And people need, uh, people need different things for sure. And different, like I said, different seasons of life. I don't have you. Yeah. It's, the people we look up to and a lot of people that are successful, you know, are, are the ones that are the do more, you know, they're the 24, you know, 12 months a year. You could always be rucking something shooting, you know, there's always, and that it's a really appealing kind of approach. And I, th- I, I fully understand why their content is so relatable and people are drawn to it, but I got to imagine, at least in the hunting space, there's a lot of guys out there that are, you know, prepare less, don't put out podcasts or prepare videos or have shows that are super successful and they just don't do that. So I've always kind of felt like you want to start with getting that approach of like, do everything, you know, control every factor you can. But then in going back to what we talked about at the beginning, kind of making it your own approach, um, been like, well, that's great. I'm glad I did that. You know, you can't dial it back you can't dial back for your preparation. If you didn't already kind of do a lot of preparation, you can't um, kind of taper from a taper, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I'm, yeah, just kind of taking, doing what's right for me, not just listening to the really obvious, like more is better, hike deeper, get more fit, shoot your bow more. Um, That's great. I, I think it's important, but kind of blending that with what works for me. So one of the notes I wanted to ask you about, like you just mentioned this phrase, one of the emails and maybe the answer is what we just talked about. But one of the things you said, and I wanted to hear what you meant by it was a theme in the back of your mind for this coming year was going slow to actually go fast. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, I think it, you know, I've, I watched some of the like formula one that, that drive to survive. And I've, I've just always liked motor racing. And there's, I think there's this idea that like, some of the drivers that are smoother are actually faster. So it's, it's this idea that 
the way what it means to me is like sometimes you have to do the thing that thinks it's gonna result in less positive outcome but it actually over time ends up resulting in a more positive outcome and i think that's just another way of kind of saying what I, like the less is more approach like i think by practicing my bodhi you know shooting the appropriate amount being in the appropriate amount of shape but not overdoing it that may feel quote going slow to me like there there is more i can do i have more hours in the day there are more things i can excuse me prep um I can go on more scouting trips. I can read more blogs, but I think by actually what may initially feel like I'm doing less and quote going slow, my hope is that for any number of reasons, how that manifests itself later out in the field is I'm more excited to be, you know, go over that next ridge or I don't know, just however it might manifest itself in the field this fall is what I feel like now it's like, Oh, you, you might not be doing enough right now may actually be helping myself in the long run. Um, and we'll, we'll see, you know, it's only my third season. Like I don't, I, I, I have no idea what I'm doing out there in, in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, heck maybe there's a before, after, before, and then after again, where I'm like, Oh, I did not prepare even remotely enough like that. I really missed the mark. Like I need to find somewhere in the middle. And if that's the case, then like, great. What a great kind of journey for, you know, learning again, adult onset hunter. This is, this is all new. So um, I think that's what I meant by, you know, going slow to go fast. Like, I think it might actually, I I have a hunch, nothing more than that, that doing the, an appropriate amount of prep, um, but keeping some of my powder dry, I might be feel a little more spry mentally, uh, recharged to kind of get after it this, this September. We'll find out. We'll get to chat later this fall and see how you feel. About I know. It <laughs> so exciting. That is exciting, man. Um, man, it's cool to me how, uh, how insightful I think this conversation has been, but really just. Uh, to me, it feels like, again, I have to remind myself what you just said, like, this is only your third season. You just, you've had already a, um, you've had some success, you've had some failures, you've learned some lessons, you've gone off the deep end, you've reined it back in a little bit. Like, I just feel like in in two years, you have maybe had more of a hunting journey than some people have in you know, five or 10 years. And I don't mean that in terms of filling tags, but just in terms of this arc of life and lessons and perspective, I guess would be a good way to put it. So, um, yeah, man, it's super cool, super cool to hear and can't wait to, to chat more of this fall after you get some more of these experiences and yeah, maybe we get back on here and you're like, I was wrong about X, Y, or Z. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Like, boy, I should have prepared way harder. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for the time today, man. I'm uh, excited to stay in touch throughout the rest of this year and really looking forward to chatting some more and telling some stories this fall. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully, and you know, even if one teeny bit of the bit of this is uh, useful to a listener, um, you guys have given me, you know, so much information. So super pumped that, you know, if sharing a little bit of what I've been going through is interesting or informative for somebody else, happy to kind of chip in and try and give back to your listeners. 
Well, that's a wrap, guys. Again, all of these Before the Hunt episodes have been so much fun. I'm excited to hear about Bradley's Hunt and all of the other guests that we've had as part of these series. So stay tuned for that to come later this fall. If you have a story to share from one of your hunts this fall, send us an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll talk to you soon.